Shishmed members play a critical role as to the organizations and communities they serve. This special edition of the Shishmed podcast is part of the COVID-19 Conversations series, featuring members' stories and resources in an effort to provide insight into how some organizations are managing this unprecedented crisis. Hello everyone, I'm Diane Weber from Shishmid and I'm pleased to have with me Monica Doyle, the Senior Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer at Jefferson Health in Philadelphia. Monica, one of the challenges hospitals and health systems across the country are wrestling with right now is is how not only to pivot quickly to resume pre-pandemic operations, but also to think about how the pandemic situation has created an impetus to change their strategic plans. So at Jefferson Health, your organization has been quite nimble and has demonstrated innovative thinking. And I'm really curious how your planning team has been ramping up for the new normal and beyond. So I thought I'd start with our first question today um, with asking you to take a, a step back in time from a planning perspective and share the role you're and you and your team have been playing during the pandemic. So first of all, welcome. <laughs> Thank you, and I'm happy to be here with you this afternoon. Um, I think originally we did not think we were going to be so active, but it turns out that our skill set was really helpful and necessary to our incident command center. So um, very quickly we ended up playing a vital role, and I'll just give you some idea of what we were working on. Um, our team really facilitated the surge planning in terms of utilizing predictive models to develop projections of what the caseload might be, the hospitalization, the ICU and the vent needs, and then matching that against our capacity. We did this at a local geographic level so we could determine which of our hospitals would surge, um, who might peak and recover in what time frame, so that we had opportunities potentially to move patients and staff around. Um, we collated and gathered all the surge plans to, to get together to determine what that overall capacity could be, where there were gaps, and then we worked with our support departments to make sure that our supply, equipment, facilities, and pharmacy plans were aligned and met the needs, and then we also um, put up uh, the financials on that as well. We worked with our finance team so that we could assess what the financial implications would be. Um, we also helped to coordinate the response to myriad reporting requirements that were coming from federal, state, and local agencies. Mm -hmm. And a number of those impacted disbursement from the CARES Act and the allocation of drugs like uh, remdesivir. So it was very important that we have accurate and consistent reporting across the enterprise. Um, we became the eyes and ears of the organization, and we created daily dashboards and intelligence reports where we summarized what was happening globally on a state level, regionally, and even within our four walls. And we also helped to prepare reports um, for our board, um, including a very detailed pandemic response summary, and I would imagine as other organizations, our board was meeting with our management more frequently. So that became a, a significant uh, body of work for us. So uh, many other things, but that gives you a flavor for what we were doing during the, the crisis and the, the pre-surge timeframe. 
It sounds incredibly comprehensive and I'm sure very valuable to all the audiences that you mentioned here. So, wow, what a way to really step up. So congratulations to you and your team for that um, very impressive work that was done to really help in those critical times. So at this time, as, as a lot of the areas, and I'm, I'm assuming in your area as well, uh, organizations are focusing on restarting their their normalcy and uh, re-entry of normal care. So what is the primary foc focus of the planning team now and what do you anticipate happening in the near future with their role? Sure. So um, we had a little bit of foresight. We sort of split the team um, and we had folks who were very much um, involved in, and dedicated to the surge planning and response. And then we asked a couple of uh, the team members, um, our, one of our AVPs, um, we really gave her freedom to go out and scour um, the universe, really, for anything that she could get about this um, transformative event and what would be those immediate and then the lasting impacts on the economy, um, higher education, as we are um, part of a comprehensive university, um, the healthcare industry, and our um, health system. So uh, she was working in the background doing that, which positioned us very well now that we are shifting to uh, new normal. So one of the things, a number of the things that we did were understanding the state's requirements for reopening, and we have at least two different states that we work in, and they've been very different in their approaches. Um, the impact and the sustainability of those regulatory changes that were enacted to help hospitals manage through the crisis, um, tracking what we call normalization volumes and comparing them to prior baseline. And now we're really involved in developing scenario-based forecasts of both COVID and non-COVID related volumes for the next 12 to 18 months, which as everyone knows is really a new frontier. There's no um, historical uh, reference to go to for this. And we continue to scan the environment to understand what the structure of consumer healthcare utilization changes will be and how that is going to impact us going forward. Well, while you mentioned that, I'm going to ask you about that. How do you think care will be delivered, you know, within this this time frame of the new frontier? What what are some of the big changes you see in from a population health and a patient experience perspective? So I do think that everyone will agree that the genie is out of the bottle on telemedicine, and I think there's likely no going back. Um, patients relied on it; they liked it; um, it worked. Providers um, who may have been reticent in the past had no choice but to convert, and I think um, the end ended up becoming more comfortable with it. So I think we'll use that more for triage and ambulatory care, and we'll also likely start to transition to using more remote monitoring in the home to avoid hospitalizations um, and those observation-type cases. I think from a patient perspective, it's really a double-edged sword. Um, healthcare providers, right, have always been among the, the most trusted professionals, but that sentiment is even higher now as they have been elevated to the status of heroes or even superheroes as they risk their lives on the front lines um, during this pandemic. 
But there's also a perspective now that a healthcare setting is potentially a dangerous place, and it may be for the foreseeable future. Um, we're seeing this with low volume of ED visits and, and a drop in discharges for MIs and stroke, which you know is is really what everyone is thinking is the next health crisis. So one of the things we really have to do now is to convince our patients that it's safe, safe to seek health care and that it's potentially more detrimental to them in the long term if they avoid screenings, diagnostic um, procedures, and, and treatment. So that, that's really how we see the, the next six months um, moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I imagine your, your marketing communications experts are probably very helpful in, in trying to get those ever so important messages out so people can resume care and, and prevent, um, as you said, other problems non-COVID related from lack of care. Um, I'm going to go back to what you were saying about some of the forecasts that you've been doing and the scenario planning that been, you've been doing. And those are a couple of tools, but what, what data sources, resources, or tools, tools have been really helpful to you um, for planning and forecasting the, the new and, and hopefully even better normal? Yes, that's a, a great question, and this has been tough since what mo much of what we as planners have relied upon um, in the past is premised on historic utilization and historic consumer behaviors, and really, you know, all that is is up in the air. Um, the economic impact, uh, the changes that we just talked about, and in, in what consumers will an anticipate from us in the future um, make this all, uh, our crystal balls very murky right now. Um, this is a transformational event for every industry, not just healthcare. So um, we think that the healthcare recovery will move in tandem with national and regional economic recovery. Mm -hmm. So we're being much more creative in looking at leading indicators like unemployment rates, the rate of the uninsured, um, consumer confidence with utilizing other services like visiting restaurants or museums, mm -hmm. and even looking at um, mobility data to see, you know, how much are people venturing outside of their homes. Uh, so we're evaluating a number of tools that are commercially available from vendors. Um, as well as utilizing uh, a, a demand model that we had developed over the last 18 months and seeing if we can adapt that um, with some of these inputs. So we'll be able to forecast demand um, on a, a more almost real-time basis, more in like the next three months as opposed to looking as we typically do with one, three, or five-year forecasts. Wow, that sounds great. What a creative use of other data sources. Um, talk a little bit more about the, the demand model that you came up with. What, what uh, thought went into that before this all happened? Uh, so we had had this um, in, in our uh, thought process for um, a, a number of years, and particularly as we came together as a health system. So um, what we're doing is really modeling from the, the beginning of the healthcare uh, experience and starting with ambulatory and new patient um, visits and established visits and then determining if, if we increase those, um, what, what are those ratios that then translate into um, 
you know, outpatient diagnostic testing, um, ultimately um, uh, inpatient admissions for things like elective surgery, but also being able to toggle back and forth between observation and inpatient admission, because when we're planning for facilities, it's, um, I mean, to use a term, it's, uh, you know, the heads in beds, it really doesn't matter if observation is an outpatient status. Um, so looking at, at all of that together and being able to um, take the best of, of what we get from a forecasting perspective, layering on what we anticipate our market share will be, and then being able to do those longer-term demand forecasts based on various scenarios. Wow, that sounds fascinating. It sounds like it could be a course in and of itself. So we, we'll, we may tap into you for more information on that in the future, Monica. Thank you for that. Great. Um, so let's think about some of the service lines and offerings that, that Jefferson Health has. And are there those that you already get a sense will get attention first? And what kind of care delivery changes are you considering for some of them? Yeah, so our service line leaders are, are all thinking about this, and we're trying to provide as much information to them as we can to support that. Um, one of the areas that we're really focused on right now is our post-acute care service line, and in particular, looking at that hospital at home and remote patient monitoring and how we can bring that up. Um, we have a lot of assets in home care anyway um, that would help us do this with home infusion, um, home care and hospice. Uh, some of the challenges, though, are going to be how quickly are the payers um, going to respond to this. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's definitely to the patient's advantage to remain at home. Uh, it's, it's a more uh, feasible economic model for us than having a, a patient in an in a preservation rate but re, but requiring resources that are similar to an inpatient rate um, but we really need to get the uh, the payment models aligned um, we were already heavily invested in telemedicine um, so we're able to quickly transition um, early in the pandemic to virtual care and we do expect that that will remain a key area of focus for us across all of our service lines. Um, and our primary care providers are really rethinking how they provide access to their patients in a safe and convenient way. So that's just a flavor for some of the things that we're working on with our service line leaders. Yeah, and I'm sure, of course, you know, as an organizational member of the American Hospital Association, the AHA has been working quite diligently, seemingly 24-7, to really work hard to get some um, good reimbursement and financial recovery for hospitals. But as they maintain their contacts with CMS, they are definitely moving forward notions of supporting expanded um, reimbursement for this kind of care delivery. So hopeful for, for changes of, of that policy in the future. Perfect. So at this point, I just want to ask if there's one thing you'd tell other planners to do now to help steer the course of tomorrow, what would it be? Um, I, I think my best advice would be to challenge assumptions and traditional paradigms. Don't assume that we are going to return to the old normal and that's going to be the new normal. I think this is really an opportunity for planners to 
um, move your organization where you likely knew they needed to go anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but we hopefully we can accelerate that. And being able to quickly adapt and to employ scenario planning, um, I think will ensure survival. Um, I, I think that's critical is to be able to have different scenarios laid out and then be able to pivot as you see um, which ones will be more likely and will, and will play out. Yeah, and, and it sounds like it's a real opportunistic moment to, you know, out of this adversity, which has been really, really difficult to see, there have been new opportunities. And it sounds like you and your team are, are just the kind of individuals to help make that happen. So thank you very much for all the work you're doing. And thank you for taking the time to share uh, your your lessons learned and your experience with us today. Um, to our Shishman member audience, Please continue to visit shishman.org. You'll be hearing more of Monica's uh, recording there as well as any resources she's willing to share. But we've also collected other marketing and planning stories and resources for you. So please take care, everyone. And thanks again, Monica. Thank you. Thanks for listening and know that we are thinking of you during these unprecedented times. For general updates and resources on COVID-19, head to aha.org slash COVID-19 and visit shishmed.org for a collection of specific COVID-19 resources for strategists.